flesh long before he stumbled upon it. Waterlogged flesh floated in the backwash like a fringe of pale lace around her fish-belly white corpse. Sandifer scrambled out of the canyon and floored his pickup over twelve miles of bad road back to Winchester, mumbling to himself all the way. He was still so shaken when he arrived, he bounced his truck onto the courthouse lawn and left it to catch its breath while he ran inside to tell the sheriff. Though it was no longer recognizable to the deputies that fished it out of the water, they knew who it was. Amy Little Spotted Horse, a nine-year-old girl who had been missing for ten days. The day Amy disappeared, in the fallow time between midsummer haying and fall roundup, her mother and father were riding the Sun Seven Ranch's fence, a barbed wire boundary that encircled more than 70,000 acres of prime prairie grasslands. They'd left her alone that morning, as they often did, while they tended to ranch chores for their boss, Jack Madigan. The last time they saw their daughter, she was still asleep in a tangle of handmade quilts on a wooden pallet in their abandoned homesteader's shack on Poison Creek. It was dark when they returned, and Amy was gone. An unfinished garland of yellow tick-seed flowers was scattered on the rough-hewn porch, a little girl's idle project, in pieces. The door was standing open, and her only pair of shoes was still in the cabin. Nothing else was missing, except Amy. Search parties combed the North County for a week, but their numbers dwindled as swiftly as their hope that she was still alive. When Pick Santifer, the fisherman, found Amy's body in the river, she was more than twenty-eight miles from the Poison Creek homestead. She didn't get there alone. Dorellis McWayne, the only mortician within eighty miles, had been elected eight times as the county coroner because nobody else in Perry County felt so comfortable in the company of death. So it was McWayne's official duty to ease his lumbering Oldsmobile hearse up the rutted road to a narrow turnout below the Iron Mountain Bridge. A renowned eater whose prodigious appetite was never quelled by his work, the corpulent mortician waited on the road for the deputies to carry Amy Little Spotted Horse's body up the steep talus slope. They stumbled all the way, like drunken pallbearers, her waterlogged body slung between them on a tarp. Just standing there in the afternoon heat, letting his protruding eyes scan the precipitous canyon and the rumbling water below, the fat coroner sweated profusely. A photograph in Winchester's weekly bullet showed a fleshy-faced Dorellis McWayne, his short-sleeved white shirt stained with sweat beneath the arms, sliding a metal gurney into the back of his fat black hearse. On it was a bloated heap hidden by a wet sheet. She'd been in the water too long for there to be any recognizable shape to her tiny body in death. Within a few hours, a deputy found a scrap of Amy's thin cotton blouse fluttering from a bolt on the guardrail of the Iron Mountain Bridge, a mile upstream from where her tattered, pulpous body was lodged. A day later, bloodhounds found more of her shredded cotton blouse and bloody denim trousers washed up on a sandbar. A small-town coroner, who had no experience in forensic pathology, McWayne could not officially determine the direct cause of Amy's death. Her body was too damaged by the violent river even to know for sure if any of her wounds were inflicted before she went into the water, and in some places her mushy flesh had been nibbled by fish. 
Her hands were shriveled from soaking in the river, and the skin slipped easily off in his hands. Her body's advanced decay suggested she died around the same time she disappeared. He'd seen floaters like this before, clumsy fishermen whose gassy bodies were fished out of the voracious Black Thunder River every other summer. But they died accidentally. Amy was something different altogether. The next day, Dr. Henry Gwinnett, for three decades the only doctor in Winchester and, at seventy-four, dying slowly from diabetes, performed a superficial autopsy. Despite his training, the soft-spoken Dr. Gwinnett had always been disturbed by the sight of a child's body in the morgue. He prayed briefly before he cut a wide incision from her neck to her groin. A rancid stench belched out as mossy brown water spilled onto the floor of Dorellis McWayne's usually immaculate embalming.